Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. We all have done it, haven't we? We have become our own worst, our own worst enemy. We have done it before. We shot ourselves in the foot, so to speak. And you've seen it happening to the people around you as well. Um, you see someone undermining their own marriage and they become their own worst enemy financially, relationally, professionally. And some of these uh, dumb things that we do, um, they, we can laugh about it now, you know, that it's over. But some of them ha- had more serious consequences. I remember without going into much detail, but many years ago, I made a really, really bad decision financially. I decided to invest and it was not a good investment at all and I lost a lot of money as a result. And like I said before, you've done it, you've seen people doing it and maybe you say to yourself, I would never be so stupid, I would never be so foolish and you look at people literally shooting themselves in the foot and then you said, not me, but then we all have done it. So the question is, why do we keep doing it, right? And that's why we do this series and we want to give you some handles on how you can stop from being your own worst enemy. Last week, I was talking to someone who asked me like, hey, why do we do this series? Because it seems like a TED talk. It's not like a normal doctrinal theological talk that I normally hear in church. Well, I'm glad that person asked me that question. And I know many of you probably have the same question. So I want to answer it first before we continue. Uh, In this church, we believe the Word of God has to be intensely practical. Why do we believe that? Because we believe Jesus believes that. Jesus says, all your theology, all your doctrines mean nothing unless you learn to love God and love people better as a result. In other words, Jesus says, don't talk to me about theology or doctrine until I see it in action. You have to translate your doctrines, your theology into relationship into action, love God, love people, love your enemies, and so on. So that's the first reason. And the second reason why we want to do this series is because this series is so important, not just for you. It's important for the people that you love around you. Isn't it true that you're not the only person impacted by your decision? When you become your own worst enemy, you're not the only person who suffer as a result, right? You are where you are now because of some of the bad decisions that your parents and other people probably made in the past, and you are affected by it. So if you blow up your finances, if you blow up your marriages, if you blow up your, blow up your health, you're not the only one impacted by those decisions. And that's why this series is so, so important. And we, uh, the, for the past three weeks, we've, give, we've been giving you some handles how, how you can not be your own worst enemy. In the first week, we talk about this. Pay attention to the tension. When you're considering a decision, all right, pay attention to the tension inside yourself. You know that you are good at being a salesman to yourself about you know, selling yourself a bad idea. So that tension that you're feeling inside your heart, you got to pay attention to it because, like I said before, you are a very good salesman at selling yourself a bad idea. That's on the first week. The second week, Alistair did such a great job on reminding us of this truth that you need to pay attention to the narrative, to the self-talk, to your feelings, to your responses that you say to yourself 
when you are making a decision. All right? So that's very, very important because we are very good, once again, at giving excuses why we do what we do, why we make the decision that we make. And then finally today, as we conclude this series, I, I want to give you another handle, and that is this. Pay attention to the voices of wisdom around you. Most people who have become their own worst enemy, they have been warned, haven't they? You were warned by the voices of wisdom around you. You have people in your life who love you, who told you, I'm not so sure about that job. I, I'm not, I don't know about that investment. Uh, I have a question about that relationship. Is it really the best thing for you to do at the moment? Those are the voices of wisdom that you need to pay attention to, that you need to listen. But the question is, why don't we listen, right? So our whole conversation today is nothing new to you. You've told people about this truth. You actually told people, hey, you're going to seek wise counsel. You're going to listen to the voices of wisdom around you. But the question is, still remains, the question is, why don't we listen to the voices of wisdom around us? I think there are a couple of reasons, at least. The first reason is this, because we already made up our minds. Most of the time when we make decisions, they're not objective decisions. We are very subjective in our decision-making. We are very driven by our feelings, by our emotion. So when your heart is set to buy that car, no one can tell you otherwise, right? When you're already set on going out with that person, no one can tell you otherwise. We already made up our minds. That's why we don't want to listen to the voices of wisdom around us. The second reason is this, because we don't um, like the source. We don't like where the wisdom is coming from. So we say to ourselves, what does she know? What does she know? And that's the reason why we don't listen to the voices of wisdom around us. This is the reason why all the more, okay, if you know this is your tendency, all the more you need to be more deliberate, you need to be more intentional to listen to the voices of wisdom around you. Why? Two more reasons I want to give to you. Because they, the people who love you, can actually feel the tension that you might be ignoring. All right? You are oblivious to the tension. Again, because you are so subjective, because your mind is already set on that decision, you don't feel the tension, but the people who love you, they're more objective. They're on the outside. They can feel the tension that you are ignoring. That's why you need to seek wise counsel. And the second reason is this. They're not distracted by your dumb excuses. Right? They're not trying to sell you stuff, people who love you. They care about you. So they don't have the narrative that you have. They don't have all this dialogue, this drama that you're creating for yourself. Why you're not doing certain things? Why you're doing certain things? And they can connect the dots that you may not be able to connect because of your subjectivity, because of your narrative, because of the tension that you are ignoring. Okay? So that's why you need to seek wise counsel, the voices of wisdom around you. So, as I said before, this is nothing new to you. So if you come to church this morning expecting to learn new things, maybe you said, I know this, right? So my purpose this morning is not to tell you what you already know, because we already know this. But my hope is that I can soften your resistance to listening for wise voices, the voices of wisdom 
from around you because we all have this resistance, right? We know what to do, but we don't want to do it. We give us the excuses why we shouldn't listen to the voices of wisdom around us. So I hope I can soften your heart a little bit more so you actually can do what you know already to be true, and that is to seek the wise counsel, the voices of wisdom from around you. And to do that, I want to tell you a story. So this is storytelling time. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to be reading a lot of Bible verses, okay? I'm going to be reading for you a story from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Specifically, it's going to be taken from 1 Kings chapter 12, all right? We're going to be learning from the fourth king of Israel. A bit of history lesson for those of you who are new to Bible study, new to Christianity. Israel has three kings, prior to this fourth king. The first king is King Saul, and then followed by King David, the most famous king of Israel. And then David is followed by Solomon, his son, who is actually the richest, the wisest man that has ever lived on the planet. He was the Elon Musk of his day. His wealth, you know, could not be counted. He was so wealthy. He conquered a lot of other kingdoms. So Solomon became the third king of Israel after his father, David. And supposedly, the assumption is that his son, Rehoboam, would succeed him to become the fourth king of Israel. And so today, we're going to be learning from the life of Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But in order for me to do that, we need to know about another character. His name is Jeroboam. Not Rehoboam, very similar sounding, but his name is Jeroboam. Who is Jeroboam? I'm glad you asked. So we're going to learn about Jeroboam, all right? From 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 28, we read this about Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam was a man of standing, and when Solomon saw how well the young man did his work, he put him in charge of the whole labor force. Now, you have to understand, by this time, Solomon had become so rich, so powerful, he literally built buildings everywhere. He built statues of himself, and he employs so many people. In fact, 150,000 stone cutters worked for him to build these palaces, to build these buildings, to build these statues of himself. Okay? So, Jeroboam was put in charge of the whole labor force. So he's in the cabinet. He's probably the second most powerful man in the kingdom. And so one day, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem when he met a prophet. And something strange happened when he met this prophet. So let's read the story. About that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. And the two of them were alone out in the country, and Prophet Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into 12 pieces. What does that mean? What does that signify? And I'm glad we were told about the significance of this. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you the 10 tribes. There are 12 tribes of Israel, and God says to the prophet, 10 of them, I'm going to give it to you, Jeroboam. Um, why is that the case? Why did God take away 10 of the tribes, and he was about to give it to Jeroboam? You have to understand also, by this time, Solomon <laughs> had become a very much pagan king. See, he had conquered all these other kingdoms, right? And he took on as his wives, 
all the women from all these different kingdoms, not only did he take on the wives, but he also took on the gods of the wives from the different culture that he had conquered. And so he had become a pagan worshiper. He had become a pagan king, and he treated his people like any other pagan kings would treat his people. And that's why God says, I'm going to take away 10 of the tribes of Israel, I'm going to give it to you, Jeroboam. Why 10? Why not all the 12? Because God had made a promise to David that his lineage is going to last forever. And that's exactly what the prophet says. I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. because I've made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose. So God, you have to, let, you have to know this, God is always, always faithful to his promise. His promise that he made to David was unconditional, and it doesn't matter what David or his lineage does. God says, your lineage, your kingdom is going to last forever, all the way until the coming of Jesus Christ about a thousand years later. So, Jeroboam heard this strange news. What does that mean? Am I going to be the next king of Israel? And so on. And so he started telling his friends about what the prophet had told him, and unfortunately, the news got to Solomon. And when Solomon heard about what's about to happen, obviously, like any other pagan kings, would try to protect their kingdom, their, their kingship, very, very much so, right? So Solomon did this to Jeroboam. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam in order to protect his kingdom, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak the king and stayed there until Solomon's death. So far, so good? You understand? You know all the different ohms? Yeah? Okay, good. If you forget, just remember, Rehoboam, his name starts with the letter R. R stands for royalty. So he's the son of Solomon. All right? Now that the stage is set, let's read what happens. Okay. 1 Kings 12, verse 1. Rehoboam, that's the son of Solomon, went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. So it's a good day. Solomon finally passed away, and his son Rehoboam was about to be inaugurated as the next king of Israel. So it's a day of celebration for everybody. And the news reached Jeroboam. When Jeroboam heard this, he was still in Egypt hiding uh, flee, uh, from fleeing from Solomon. When Jeroboam heard this, he returned from Egypt. And when the people heard that Jeroboam, their leader, had come back from Egypt, they all approached him, they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to the new king, Rehoboam, and said to him, because they've been oppressed, you see, because of Solomon's ambition, they have been working so hard like slaves, and they were suffering under the kingship, the rulership of Solomon. And so the people under the leadership of Jeroboam, they thought to themselves, maybe his son would be different. Let's approach him and request him to be kinder to us. And so this is what they said to the new king. Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the hard labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you forever. That is our promise. You know, we will be your subject forever, but you got to stop with this non-stop building project. you got to stop with the heavy taxes. You have to stop treating us like slaves. You have to treat us better. And when you do, we promise to serve you forever. And so Rehoboam 
when he heard this, he did two things right, okay? At least he did these two things right. The first thing that he did right was this. He said to them, go away for three days and then come back to me. That's a great decision, right? When you are faced with an important decision, you don't make an important decision haphazardly, all right? You need to take some time, you need to take a step back, and make sure you weigh in all options before you make that important decision. So what he did here was great. Go away for three days. Let me think about your request and then come back to me. So the people went away. That's the first good thing that he did. The second good thing that Rehoboam did was this. He consulted the elders. That's a great decision as well. He consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. Because he didn't have the perspective that the elders had. Right? And the elders also had the perspective that even his father Solomon might not have. So he approached the elders and he asked them this question How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. Again, that's a great, great decision to seek the voices of wisdom, to seek wise counsel from the people that you know can give you good information. And so the elders replied to the new king this way They said, if today you will be a servant to these people and then serve them well and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. You get to keep your kingdom, you get, you get to keep it united, and these people will give their everything to you if you treat them well. Very wise counsel, very good leadership instruction, right? But then Solomon built this narrative in his head, something that you should never do. He started to reason. What, this, what does these old people know? They don't know anything. They had their time in the sun. This is my time to shine now. This is my time to show the people who I really am as the new king of Israel. And so, this is the first dumb thing that the new king did. He rejected the advice of, that the elders gave him. Again, he might be having all kinds of conversation in his head, right? What do they know? They're the old geezers. Like, you know, I'm the, I, I know, I, I, I've lived long enough to know what is good for me, what is good for my kingdom. So, this is what happened. And I'm telling you, um, it was what he needed to hear, but it was not what he wanted to hear or do. But the irony is, this was the only way for him to get to where he wanted to be, which is to keep his kingdom united. Let me stop right here. Commercial break. Let me tell you right now. Right now, as we speak, there are people around you who love you, who have good advice that you needed to hear to help you to get where you want to be. Let me say it again. There are people right now in your life with good advice that can help you get to where you want to be, but you are ignoring them. You're having all kinds of conversation in your head. You're giving 1,001 excuses why you shouldn't be listening to them. They haven't been in my shoes. They, they, they don't know what it's like to have a divorce. They don't know what it's like to have a second marriage. They haven't been in a big city. They haven't started a company. They, they're inexperienced. So you're giving all kinds of excuses why you shouldn't listen 
to the voices of wisdom around you. And that's why you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're becoming your own worst enemy because you discount good advice, right? Because of who they are. See, that's not what you're supposed to do. Because when you do, man, I'm telling you, you will get to the place that you don't want to be. If you just do keep doing whatever you want to do, you might end up in a place that you don't want to be. So, what did Solomon, what did Rehoboam do again? The second dumb thing that he did, not only did he ignore the wise counsel from the elders who had the experience, right? Who, who, who had the, 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 the best interest for him, not only did he ignore the wise counsel from the elders, this is the next dumb thing that he did. He rejected the advice that the elders gave him and <laughs> he consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him, people who were working for him. Let me tell you how you can be your own worst enemy, okay? Ignore good advice and only listen to the people who will tell you what you want to hear. I don't know what the conversation was between Rehoboam and his friends, his young friends, right? I can imagine the conversation went something like this. Hey, I consulted these old geezers, and they told me to let up. They told me to make it easy for these people. And I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to do that. Even if the young friends of his were thinking like, maybe that's actually a good advice. But because they had a special interest, they were working for Solomon. It is in their best interest to make... So so, not Solomon, sorry, Rehoboam. It is in their best interest to make the new king happy. Of course, they would tell him what he wanted to hear. So, this is very, very dangerous. If you want to blow up your life, if you want to blow up your family, if you want to blow up your future, only surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. And when you do, you will lose all credibility, you will lose opportunity, you will, use, uh, you will lose all your resources, your influence. Bad things are going to happen when you only surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. So my question to you is, before we continue the story, whose advice are you currently ignoring? Is it your wife's advice? Is it your husband's advice? Is it your pastor's advice, your small group leader's advice? your best friend's advice, whose advice are you currently ignoring? If it's a bad advice, you need to ignore it for sure, all right? But then the question is, how do you know if it's a good advice or a bad advice? How can you tell? Well, there's no way you can tell precisely, but I think there are a couple of guidelines that you can use. The guidelines that we have given you for the last two weeks. Pay attention to the tension inside your heart. And also, check the narrative Check the self-talk that you create for yourself. If your self-talk starts with something like this, what do they know? I will never listen from a woman. I will never, you know, when your self-talk starts with undermining their advice because they're different from what you want to hear, there's a good chance that what you just listened to is actually a good advice. All right? So, Again, my question to you is, what advice or whose advice are you currently ignoring? What internal narrative do you tell yourself to resist their advice? All right? Do this, and then maybe, maybe, you might just be able to save yourself from a bad future that you don't want to have. And so, the story continues. 
Okay? The young man who had grown up with him replied, These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now, this is what you want to tell them. Tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. What does that mean? See, in the olden days, in those days, being fat is actually a virtue. And Solomon was a very fat person, right? Because in those days, most people are starving. So when you are overweight, when you are fat, that's a sign of health. That's a sign of blessing. So I'm not overweight. I just live in the wrong period. That's, that's what happened, right? In those days, people would say, wow, Daniel, you look good. You look good. So <laughs> what they were trying to tell the new king is this. Hey, you think my father was tough. My little finger is thicker than his waist. So this is what they said. My father laid, a, laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. That's a different kind of whip that is more deadly, more dangerous, only reserved for criminals. Okay? So in other words, the new king, Rehoboam, said this. You think my father treated you bad. You haven't seen anything yet. You think my father treated you like slaves. I'm going to treat you like criminals. If you don't stop with this request, if you don't listen to my instruction, you haven't heard the worst of it yet. And that's exactly what he told the people three days later when they come back to hear his response. Now, this is what's interesting about this story, all right? Even if you don't know how this story will end, okay? Many of you probably don't know how this story will end. I can guarantee you, none of you will guess, hmm, I bet this is going to end really well for Rehoboam. <laughs> right? None of you will guess that. Because you know, again, this is no rocket science. You know, when you listen to bad advice, it can only turn bad. Right? So, again, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know how this you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know how this story will end. And your, your guess will be absolutely right. So the new king told the people, hey, this is what I'm going to do, word for word. He said it to, the, to Jeroboam and his people. And then they decided, okay then, if that's what you wanted to do, we're out of here. We don't want to be under your rulership anymore. And so this is what happened. So, it, so the Israelites went home. That means they, they went away and said, that's it. We won't have anything to do with you anymore. And then the new king still tried, all right? So he appointed a new person to be in charge of all the laborers. So King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor. But guess what? All Israel stoned him to death as a show of force saying, that's it. Your time, your opportunity has passed. We're not going to listen to you anymore. And this is the sad part. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day, to the time of the writing. From that moment on, the kingdom of Israel is split into two. The northern kingdom with ten tribes and the southern kingdom with two tribes, Benjamin and Israel. So from that on, the kingdom is divided. And when the kingdom is divided, the kingdom is weakened. And when the kingdom is weakened, it becomes vulnerable. And when it becomes vulnerable, it is invadable. That's exactly what happened from that time on. Different kingdom, Assyrians, the Babylonians, just, they just pounce over Israel again and again and again. That's exactly what's going to happen to you and to me when we choose to ignore wise counsel, voices of wisdom from around us. 
So, what do we do with this information? Very simple. Okay, my time is out, but I'm going to give you two practical tips. The first one is this. Find someone who has nothing to gain or lose by telling you the truth. You've got to have those people in your life, all right? You, you, you don't need to have only one. You can have a few. In fact, I encourage you to have a few, all right? Maybe that person can be your small group leader, can be your pastor, can be your wife, can be your husband, can you be your personal trainer, it can be your financial advisor, you know? Find someone who has nothing to gain or nothing to lose by telling you the truth. Some people who love you, people who really, really genuinely care about you. They may not tell you what you want to hear, but you'll do yourself a favor by listening to their advice. All right? So that's the first thing. And once you've found those people, you ask them, what would you do if you were in my shoes? What would you do if you were in my shoes? But before we close our time together, let me remind you again. This is so hard for us to do, hey. You heard me speaking for the last 20 minutes, and he said, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. But I'm telling you, I hate to admit this, but probably 80%, 90% of you will not do what we talk about today. You will not do what we talk about today. Why? Because maybe some of you will say this. You already know what those people are going to say. That's the reason why you don't approach them in the first place because you already know what they're going to say. They're going to say no to this decision and I don't want to hear no. That's why I don't want to ask them. Actually, that's a red flag. That's all the more reason you need to approach them, right? If you already know what they're going to say, then do it. Why don't you do it? If you don't want to do it, at least force yourself to listen to what they have to say even though you already know what they're going to say. Maybe something will snap, something will happen inside your heart. So, that's the reason why some of you are not going to do what we talk about today. You already know what they're going to say, all right? And then second reason is this. Success is very intoxicating. Many of you have built a successful business. Many of you have good career. And because you have had good career, because you had a great business, you, thought, you, you, you told yourself, I know. I know what to do. I, I, I get where I am I get to where I am today because of my smart, because of my wisdom. But guess what? Success doesn't guarantee future success, right? Just because you are successful in one area doesn't mean you're necessarily successful in all areas of life. So be humble. Success can be very intoxicating and it can fool you into thinking that you have all the wisdom in the world and you don't need anyone's advice, right? And lastly, the reason why we don't seek the voices of wisdom from around us is because we think it's none of their business. Maybe you're hesitant because you don't want to bother them or whatever, but then this is what you do. Then you invite them. You invite them to make it their business. Tell them, hey, I will give you the permission to speak into my life. Please, I need to hear the truth. I give you, say it in that phrase, I give you permission to speak into my life and to tell me as it is because I really need to hear it. And I will go away, I will consider your advice, and I will really, really think about it. But please, I give you the permission to speak into my life. When you do this, you lessen the chances of us talking about this for half an hour and not do anything about it, all right? Beware that success can be intoxicating. Invite people to speak into your life. 
okay? And just because you already know what they're going to say, listen to them anyway. Maybe that is enough for you to, to not be your own worst enemy, okay? Why don't you stand on your feet right now as we close our time together. I want to encourage you, for those of you who are here for the first time, maybe you're catching only the third part, go to our YouTube channel, The Rocks Perth, and listen to part one and part two as well and share it with your friends. Maybe uh, you will save themselves. Uh, you will save them too from making bad decisions in their life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.